0: Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of The Boundless Show. Lisa Anderson here with you and a little preview of what we have coming up. For our inbox, we have a listener who's asking, how do I make room in my schedule for someone I am romantically interested in? But you know what? I have a busy life already and I don't know if I can fit this person in. So we're going to, uh, I'm going to be able to offer some advice on that. And then for our culture segment, our friend Gary Thomas is back to answer really a variety of questions. Uh, we like to bring him in when he's around and just kind of rapid fire him with a lot of stuff. Uh, you know him as the author of The Sacred Search. He also did Sacred Marriage. Well, he's going to share wisdom on everything from getting along with people we disagree with to lessons from his own marriage. So, so stay tuned. Well, here we are for our roundtable, and you guys will know that if you listened last week, you heard from a group of introverts. We thought we would ease you in with the introverts because it was the start of the year, and we were like, we need to just be chill, but we have to give extroverts equal time, and so. This week, it's about the extroverts for our roundtable. But rather than just letting them, you know, get all chatty about general stuff, they have to be very helpful to people about how to rock it out as an extrovert and how to help other people understand extroverts and love extroverts better. So I want to go ahead and welcome Diane, Billy, and Alex. Hey, guys. Hey. How's it going? All right. So great to have you here. So this is fun. I want you to describe, we're going to start off because I had mentioned even last week, um, I found... Felt like I was really straddling the fence because I am, I always test as an extrovert, but I'm very borderline, which people cannot believe because they think you just host this show and all you do is talk. And so aren't you extroverted? Not really. I really recharge alone, I think so. But I want you to, full disclosure, say where you are on the spectrum. So <laughs> how extroverted are you and how really does it manifest itself most, especially in your own life?
1: I think that on the spectrum... I might have started full-on extrovert, yeah. especially when I was young. Uh-huh. I think middle school honed me, Okay. hopefully, to be able to rein myself in a little bit, uh, especially now because my fiancé is an introvert. So oh. I think that in the correct situation, I can kind of pull a Popeye and grab the spinach can of social and <laughs> extroversion and actually be able to exist in that space. But if there is a situation where I need to be introverted and I kind of need to be silent, I'm not like bottling in these like Fireworks. Okay. I can actually be very comfortable you in those feel you.
0: Okay, that's good to know. That was Alex. Okay, how about you, Billy?
2: Yeah, I'm definitely a hardcore extrovert. For as long as I can remember, there was one time I was taking shifts while driving to school, and we drove through the night, and every time it was my turn for a break, I just stayed up and kept talking with my best friend. <laughs> and when I got to school, too, then I saw all my friends again, and so then I stayed up all throughout that next day, and it's been the longest that I've been awake ever since. Oh, my word. That's pretty awesome. Okay, Diane.
3: Well, I recently took a test. They were doing like extrovert, introvert, and the gal that was giving me the test said that no one has ever scored as high as I did on the extrovert. And she does this for like the Air Force Academy and for big businesses. So I am, yeah, totally at the top end of extrovert. And then I married Roger, who's an introvert. So it's like there is that opposite. Yeah. that are a track. So my job is to make sure that he is no
0: longer an introvert. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, um, I got to uh, hold on to this. I yes. got to hold on to it. It's myself. <laughs> it's myself. OK, well, let's talk about what you actually enjoy most about being an extrovert, because I think that we're going to talk a little bit later about some of the stereotypes around extroverts mm-hmm. and some of the things that can be kind of a drag. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about what's great about being an extrovert and really how your personality does show strengths around others like what are you able to just rock out with with your extroversion go ahead
1: thank you I appreciate that <laughs>
0: <laughs> you extrovert.
1: Um, yes thank you um, I think that one of my favorite things about being an extrovert is I've never really struggled in finding community in a new place that I go hmm. uh, and I know that's a struggle for a lot of people and I have struggles in different areas but that's never really been one and I'm super thankful that the Lord has allowed me um, not to have to pull teeth to meet new people. But if I'm in a new social situation, I'm like alive. I'm like, where are you from? What do you do? What are your dreams? And a lot of times that just leads me into a social circle that I'm comfortable with that has, you know, similar values, similar faith. And so that's really helped me when I move to a new area. I don't have to be very alone for a long time, which I really appreciate. That's good.
3: I think extroverts tend to have really good communication skills. And so I think it's good to, like you were just saying, be able to draw people out who maybe wouldn't talk. But it's like learning how to gently draw out someone who is an introvert. And I had an experience with John, our producer. Uh, (laughs) It took me two months, but we did it. Um, I... Finally, got to hug the man, but it took me two months to get there. And so it was like a step closer. I'm going to step closer to you, but don't move. And he didn't. And okay, now next week I'm going to step a little closer. Don't you move. And then now I'm going to step right next to you, but I'm going to touch your arm. It's going to be fine. And so now I've created a hugging monster. It is amazing. So this, but it took two months.
0: I love how you talk about it, Diane. Like you went to the pound and found this puppy that you have to learn how to approach. You know, it's like, oh my goodness. But uh, I that's saw the though.
3: potential in this man. Yeah. So it's like you see this potential and I'm willing to risk. Mm-hmm. The rejection. I mean, he could have, you know, walked away. But it's like I'm. Um, I think extroverts tend to do that. They're we're willing to risk the rejection, and also we're not afraid to embarrass ourselves.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like for me, extroversion is very much manifest in the sense of I never met a person who is not interesting like Mm -hmm. I can find something interesting about everyone and it's Mm -hmm. probably why I've hosted the show for Mm -hmm. 13 years now is just there's always something to talk about there's always something to learn from someone I love you know like um, I was mentioning one of my dear friends on the last show who's super introverted and she just kind of like goes through this filter of people of like if you're not really going to be in my life I don't really have time for you and I'm like well send them my way because I'll talk to them for seven minutes (laughs) and learn like half about their (laughs) life story you know or whatever so it's just very funny I think it's a it is a great opportunity for extroverts to be the welcomers to be Mm -hmm. the inviters to be the people who are going to break the ice Mm -hmm. and that's a a very that's a gift um, Mm -hmm. for a lot of folks so all right but now we got to turn the tables blind spots what do you think is uniquely more Of a stretching opportunity for an extrovert As far as like stuff I mean and this Might be you might have come up with this yourself Maybe you've been told <laughs> um, By maybe some of your introvert Friends of like when you are like This it makes me feel blah 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 or why don't you stop Doing this but what would be
2: some of Those like challenge points for you As far as stuff that's oh, tough man. For me when I've I've lived with roommates I love living with roommates but It can be a struggle living with introverts, because um, if they're in the living room, I think, oh, hey, you want to talk to me. (laughs) But that's not always the case. Sometimes they just want to sit and watch a show. And I've really had to adjust to that and just sit back or be quiet. Like, I mean, it's kind of nice to hang out with them while they're watching a movie, but I would like to talk about them with them. (laughs) And so that's always been a struggle for me is just knowing when an introvert wants to talk and just doesn't. That is a really good point, actually, because I have had friends in my past that say, you know, what? I love our friendship so much because
1: we can just sit in the same room together and just like not talk. You know, I just love that <laughs> that we can be that comfortable with one another. And I hear that. And immediately I'm like, every time that happens, I'm like, what should I say? Like, what are you going to say? <laughs> like, I that's how I connect with people. So it is like kind of calibrating how we receive love and how we receive friendship mm-hmm. to those people that. Show love in like, man, I'm just comfortable being with you. Mm -hmm. Me receiving that as love and not Mm -hmm. me receiving that as like, he's mad at me. Or a rejection. Exactly. Like, like, why are you rejecting Mm my, like, you're not talking to me, Mm -hmm. so clearly you're rejecting me. But instead being like, okay, I just need to think about this differently Mm -hmm. and receive this as like, oh, you actually really care about me and you're comfortable in this moment.
3: I think extroverts can also be steamrollers because we have great ideas. We have, we're passionate about what we want. And so it's easy to keep talking over (laughs) the introvert who wants to give an idea. But by the time you're done, they don't want to say anything because you've already laid out the whole plan. So I think that to me is really important for me to back off a little bit because I know I can be persuasive and very um, uh, passionate Mm -hmm. about what I feel.
0: I think, too, you know, now that you said that, Diane, another thing that I've noticed that introverts bring up is the idea of it's hard for extroverts to make people feel special mm-hmm. because we so we just talk to anyone and we're mm-hmm. so like, hey, you know, the stranger is just a friend I haven't met yet. Mm-hmm. So that and so then it could be like the people that are like, but we have actually like history together. And why wouldn't you want to spend some time with me and sit and talk mm-hmm. with me? And why isn't it easier to talk with me than this person? And I'm just like, everyone's easy to talk to. and. Oh, yeah. It just can seem very dismissive, I think, which is a struggle that extroverts probably have in perception.
1: For sure. I think
0: as far as like what I said before about
1: finding community very easily, I think also extroverts struggle to find real, meaningful, unique, deep Mm. friendships. Mm -hmm. Well, just because they have like usually so many friends. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people in my past that have been really extroverted have said that to me. And be like, yeah, I just don't really know who like my people people are. Mm -hmm. Whereas an introvert, Their friends are, like, their friends. Mm -hmm. And, like, they will, like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) steamroll someone in a truck for that friend. Like, they will go to the ends of the earth for that friend. But a lot of extroverts are like, man, I don't know who would do that for me. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of candidates, but I don't know who are, like, my deep, 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 like, friends.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. That's true. It also seems that sometimes, you know, whereas introverts are very good at conserving energy and being like knowing how to prioritize, sometimes extroverts, though we have a long tail of energy, we can flame out eventually, where it's like, you know, I'm done. Okay, anyway, and it just makes it seem like we're just doing everything on our terms, whereas other people are like more like, okay, well... I have to go to this event on Friday night, which is four days from now. So I'm going to start conserving my energy. And we're just like not really thinking about that, maybe. So that is a weird spot to be in. Um, Okay, Diane, maybe Mm -hmm. you can uniquely speak to this, but Alex also, because you are um, in a relationship that's very Mm -hmm. serious. And I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) And you're both in relationships with introverts, which I think a lot of extroverts Mm -hmm. spend a lot of angsty time over Mm -hmm. like, can I actually do life with this person who's so different from me. And maybe some people break up over it. People do extensive personality tests and psychoanalysis over it. But what does that look like? How do you find the balance, Um, Diane, after 44 years and Alex just getting into it? You know, I'm very impulsive. I get bored easily.
3: And I don't, I look at the big picture and I don't go in for the details. So poor Roger goes crazy over me because when I'm decorating for Christmas, I take every box out, open it, start on the mantle, get bored, and then go downstairs and do something in the basement. But I have to open a new box. Oh, then God. I want to work on the Christmas tree. So I go back up and I start on the tree. So he's like, finish something. <laughs> Why? And I'm like, I'm bored. I My brain is all over the place. So he will leave the house because he can't take the fact that this But it took us a long time to figure that out. Are you going to do the dishes? Yes, leave them. I'll do them. Why don't you you do them now? (laughs) Why? Why would I do them now when I can do them in two hours? So it's like working those out and understanding that I am bored quickly and I'm impulsive and I will go with my feelings rather than my logic. So... It's like backing up and saying, "Okay, I need to stop and actually plan." If I'm going to paint the wall, how many things I need to paint the wall? I just can't open the can and start painting.
0: Right. And there's just a patch I've, on there for like six yeah, months. Exactly,
3: and... which I've done. Yeah, I dumped the paint onto the carpet, but oh, that's nice. another story altogether.
1: <laughs> yeah, for me, um, it's been very interesting to get her real, honest perspective as an introvert on my ability to kind of speak in a group. I remember a situation in Lynchburg, which is where we met. We were at a small group, and there were a lot of people that were new. And I was like, no problem. Like, (laughs) I am going to go over to each one of them, be like, so what are your favorite things? And what are your favorite things? And like, oh, you, hey, you said you like sending letters and this person likes pens. So like you guys should chat. And so I was like seeing myself as like this social web maker kind of like weaving this, like I can finally like mm-hmm. get people talking because no one's talking. Mm-hmm. And I saw myself as this like savior. I was getting mm-hmm. prideful about. It. And then on the drive home, Megan was like, Alex, I think that you were, you just struck me as kind of like attention seeking. And I was like, what? I was doing a service to this room and like just kind of getting that perspective and being like yeah maybe I I wasn't coming off to everyone in the room as someone like connecting someone mm-hmm. but instead like connecting everyone but instead it was me like trying to seek attention for myself so having that perspective has been very good and um just kind of acknowledging that that might be a filter that someone sees me through mm-hmm. and that has allowed me to kind of measure myself in social situations a bit more rather than just assuming that Everyone shares my opinion that I am a <laughs> a cause for good in the social situation. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. And that's funny because, you know, Billy, I would even say, you know, like, it, and you guys can think about this even, you know, Alex, as you were dating and stuff, did you ever feel like people, you, you never really... Could get in anywhere with someone in dating because they were kind of like, I don't even know if you're interested in me or in everyone, or (laughs) like kind of getting back to the whole, I don't feel special because you're just like so gregarious with everyone, and everyone's invited on this hike, and everyone's going to be part of the (laughs) Billy's (laughs) Facebook live, and so what in the world, (laughs) when you know, what's that going to look like? So I don't know. That could be a an interesting thing to wrestle with.
2: Oh man. Well. What I try to do at least is I will resort to asking a lot of questions. And so like I went to school and like learned documentary filmmaking. And so that really comes out when I really want to try to get to know someone. And to me, I'm communicating, hey, I'm really interested in you by asking you all those questions. So I don't know how well that comes across. Maybe that's why I'm so <laughs> single, but <laughs> so that's usually my strategy. When I try to do it. So,
0: yeah, Yeah, that's good. Okay, what would you guys say? Because we've talked about some things that are legit about extroverts where maybe we need to grow. We need to listen to other people. But what would you say are just some of the straight up misunderstandings about extroverts that you wish people would know and be like, don't judge a book by its cover because that's not exactly who I am just because you think it is. I think it goes back
3: to what you were saying that you think it's like the Diane show. And it's like, why do you always have to be performing? And I'm, and it's like, but when, when was that? When, when did I do that? Because in my mind, that's not what was happening. It was being the connector, drawing people out, having fun in a situation. It's like, what do you need attention all the time? Is that why you do this? And it's like, gosh, I didn't even realize that that's what you thought. Mm-hmm. Because I'm just having fun, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not afraid to embarrass myself. And so it's like, whatever. And then it's like that same perspective.
1: Yeah. I talked about middle school before and I was thinking about this specifically for this episode because something I got a lot back then is we were at the lunch table, maybe screwing around, making a lot of jokes. And I remember something that someone said one time and they were just like, oh, Alex, you were just like, you're just so loud. You're just so loud. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I can look back on that and be like, that was so like funny. I was probably way more loud than I am now. I did need to mellow out a bit. But in that moment, I was like, dang, like, that's probably a really bad thing about me because someone criticized that about me. Mm -hmm. But as I've gotten older and as I've learned more about the Lord and more about just like how we image him, Mm -hmm. I think that he is like expressed in the thunder as well as a small voice. Mm -hmm. He is expressed like Jesus is out preaching in front of hundreds of people and then like going to be by himself and praying. Mm -hmm. So like, our maker, our God is both like he's all, he's an extrovert and an introvert. He images Mm -hmm. that very, very well. So being loud wasn't a really bad thing. It's just a way I image God. And like, I think that needs to be sanctified like everything else, obviously don't go screaming in (laughs) funerals and stuff like that. But like, I think that being loud just can be interpreted as like being overly expressive, which Mm -hmm. is like a good thing. I think Mm -hmm. being overly expressive is a way that, God operates mm-hmm. like being I mean, who needs to make sunsets as beautiful as that? Not that me being loud is a sunset, but like just because I'm loud doesn't mean that that's a, <laughs> a poor thing. Mm-hmm. Being like um, outgoing doesn't necessarily mean that I'm a pushover. Mm-hmm. Like I just like doing a lot of things or being sociable doesn't mean like exactly like you were saying, Dan. doesn't mean I'm like an attention hog. Mm-hmm. So like just kind of interpreting our characteristics as characteristics of our maker Mm -hmm. makes it a lot easier to accept them about ourselves and appreciate them in other people.
3: That's good. You know, if Raj and I go to a party, um, I will work the room and he will find one person Mm -hmm. to talk to Mm -hmm. the whole evening. And I think he allows me to be who I am and I allow him to be who he is. That's who he is. He likes the one-on-one. I like working the whole room. Mm -hmm. Because everyone's my friend. And I think it's understanding that after all those years, you know, we had to work that out in the beginning. It's like, why Why don't you sit by me? Why? There's 20 people in this room that I, I don't know 19 of them. I know you. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> so yeah.
0: That's good. Well, that actually, it's interesting you say that, Diane, because that actually brings me to probably my number one most frustrating misunderstanding about being an extrovert. And that is that people assume that because of the way you show up, are sociable, the way you do chit chat or whatever that you're a shallow person Mm. like I've had you know I've I've had people say I've had to struggle to communicate you know something deep or be like oh I actually have something important to say here because I also like chit chat Mm -hmm. I like learning little Mm -hmm. facts about people and stuff like that and then people just assume oh that's all she's interested in she's Mm -hmm. just really shallow and she's and so I'm like hey you know just give it some time and Mm -hmm. you know Um, okay so in light of that the last question I want to ask in our last minute or two here is um, thinking of, and I ask this of the introverts as well, the proper care and feeding of extroverts. <laughs> what would be your advice to the people out there listening? How to love you best, how to relate to you best. What do people need to know as far as like when you see this, you know, just understand that this is the way it's going down. What would be your top tips for the folks that want
2: to understand you? Oh man, for me, what would be very helpful is honestly just scheduling things together. Like I found that living with a couple of introverts, that what I really liked is when we went and got dinner together. That way, they had time, as you were saying early on, to uh, recharge for um, before they go out <laughs> to this event. And for me, It gives me something to look forward to. And then I don't get so disappointed when they want to leave at a certain time because I know how late that we're going to go until. So scheduling things out ahead of time is super helpful for me from an introvert.
1: I think that it is very appreciated um, by me if you communicate with me. Just be honest with me about like what you need. I'm And I'm speaking to the introvert because I think an extrovert is just going to, you know, be on the same wavelength <laughs> as me. Yeah. But if you're an introvert and you're, you know, a friend of mine or my fiance, if you're listening, um, <laughs> <She> <laughs> please is. just be uh, just be honest with us. Just be honest with the extrovert and say, hey, I just we need to leave this party right now because I just am so overwhelmed with how many people you're talking to. And if it's OK with you, can we can we leave? And in that moment, I, as an extrovert, I'll be like oh the party but also like (laughs) i love you and i want to be there for you and like Mm -hmm. if it would help you for me to behave in a different way to make you comfortable i do want to know about that and there is a line obviously where you need to kind of balance you know like i said before still imaging your maker still being like extroverted not seeing these parts of yourself as bad Mm -hmm. but also if you've
0: got a problem, if you are overwhelmed, just let us know because we would love to help you in that. Yeah. I would say as a side note to that too, when you want to address something with someone, like say you're at the party and you want to go or the person is like way ramrodding a conversation (laughs) or something like that, don't call it out in front of other people. Like extroverts are often are very sensitive to you know wanting to be, again, the includers, the inviters and stuff so they're not presenting, we're not presenting ourselves or we don't think we are in that way. So maybe just pull them aside and say, hey, maybe you're getting to be a little bit much here. And maybe some of the other people give, as, uh, as Mr. Bennett says in Pride and Prejudice, give the other folks a chance to exhibit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's all good.
3: I think most um, extroverts also think out loud. And so if the introvert can wait through the conversation, because I will have an opinion, talk myself out of it, talk myself back into it again (laughs) and so it's like I have to hear myself and I think as Raj being an introvert it took him a while to not start acting on the first thing I said because he's already starting to problem-solve what I want but I've already talked myself out of it Mm -hmm. and so I think that helps to know okay I just want you to listen it's going to take me 10 minutes to tell the story cuz he's like can't you just get to the bottom line and it's like no you have to know the background <laughs> you have to know why i think this and i think for an an introvert if they understand that that's that's how we process and if i didn't love you i wouldn't process with you
0: mm, that's <laughs> big <laughs> Which is funny. I feel like, Diane, that's maybe a whole other roundtable we'll have to do on if you're an extrovert and a verbal processor and a person who doesn't like to finish projects and a person. I mean, there are multiple pick me. things that could play, pick <laughs> play me. in here that are your perfect storm. So that's pretty good. Well, you guys, great thoughts. Thank you so much for weighing in on this. Of course, we can always go more. But uh, those of you listening, you heard last week, hopefully, if you haven't, hop back, listen to our introverts this week. Uh, tell us when you find us on on social hannah's doing such a great job job with social asking questions of us where do you fall on the introvert extrovert spectrum how do you find uh, what are the frustrations around where you are in that do you wish do we have any introverts who wish they were extroverts i don't know probably not but whatever um and then how can we help one another so give us your thoughts and some of your experiences along that so thanks so much you guys
4: oh, awesome. thank you thank you, thank you. for someone and that's a good start love love, love is all we need we find out we find everything so to republicans and to the democrats i don't care who you are i don't care where you are long as you're breathing i'm my brother me casa two casa, my mama your mama we all two dashes i call that equal white or brown skin you all my people i pray yeah. for revolution i know you want to rise up we color line that still divide us
0: folks. Well, we are here for this week's culture segment. And you know, if you were with us last week that we sat down with our friend Deborah Falada and made her answer just a bunch of random questions. And obviously, some of those were specifically directed at women. And so we've got a couple for the guys this week for Gary to answer. Many of you know, um, Gary as the author of Sacred Marriage, clearly the Sacred Search, which we've kind of taken as our own personal book (laughs) about this among Gary's stuff. Um, Also, so uh, the book actually that we're going to be offering today, which y'all should uh, know about. In fact, I want to make sure I get the title right. Nine Essential Conversations Before You Say I Do. Um, and so A lot going on there, and uh, it's always fun to have our friend Gary back in the studio. Hey, Gary. Hi, Lisa. Wonderful to have you. Okay. Um, Well, as promised, I told folks, and some of these are just things that people asked us to ask you. So this is always fun when you're here to answer questions, um, because we love when someone's uh, a wise mentorish type and is a few steps ahead of us makes um, sound in so old. <laughs> relation. You're not like, you're not full on presenting like Gandalf here. I mean, it's okay. You're good. You're, he's a marathoner. I mean, he's got a lot going on. He's not, you know, he didn't bring his walker in here, so it's all good. All right. The first one. Um, oh, and I should have alluded to this too. You also wrote uh, When to Walk Away, yes. your book on dealing specifically with toxic people. And that's what our first question kind of is. Um, In fact, we have talked about this at Boundless. But um, let's talk about this like hot button topics. I think this is kind of recently come to the forefront, even since we had you here before. I mean, we're talking about like, you know, now we're post holidays, but you know, around the holidays, you know, coming up, maybe it's going to be Easter, maybe this year, maybe you're gathering with family for birthday parties. And the conversation turns to something wacky. It's either going to be around faith. It's going to be around the vaccine. It's going to be around politics. It's going to be everyone wants to share their opinion because they think they're right and everyone else has to agree with them. What are some good tips for just navigating very contentious conversations with family members and others around issues that either some maybe are Important, as in like there might be some biblical absolutes that have to be held to, and then some are just like, hold them with an open hand. What does this look like?
5: There are four words, Lisa, that I go by because it just makes it simple. No conviction, no counsel. Hmm. If I don't sense that there's conviction and my counsel isn't wanted, I'm not going to give it. I think it's what Jesus referred to when he said, don't cast your pearls before swine or give what is holy to dogs or else they'll turn. And try to tear you to pieces. So Jesus is saying, be wise about when you share and what you share, and who you share it with. Just because I hold an opinion doesn't mean somebody needs to hear it. If they don't value it, they don't care what I have to say. Uh, if I don't think they respect me, they're not going to respect what I say. And so I would say, search for healthy conversations. If it's going in an unhealthy way, say, "Hey, how are you doing?" If you know they had a physical challenge or if they're have a new vocational challenge. Just turn the conversation to something that can be redemptive and encouraging that you don't feel like you need to take a shower when mm-hmm. you're done with. Just just redirect it. But again, just because we disagree with someone doesn't mean we need to point that out. Mm-hmm. If they ask us, I mean, frankly, I have some people ask me my opinion on something and I'll say, are you sure you really want to know? Because mm-hmm. if you really want to know, I got to tell you what I really believe. If you don't want to hear it, I don't need to go there. But I'll ask them. And then if it's invited, I want to be courageous, compassionate, and truthful and kind. But if it's not wanted or invited, I'm more quick to walk away than I used to be.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, and it's so true of just how like I find myself sometimes in conversations where I'm espousing an opinion, like I'm some kind of expert on it. And I'm like, Lisa, you don't even know, like, why do you act like you know what you're even talking about but it's just so expected for us to have an opinion on everything i think we just need to like chill out and be like okay cool all right let's talk about marriage. Specifically, we know that um, sacred marriage, which is a full-on classic at this point, you talk about the the value of marriage in drawing us towards holiness and the fact that mm-hmm. spouses point one another to Christ and that naturally, and just, you know, the push and pull of marriage, let's be honest, folks, uh, is a little bit of a crucible in that. But then some people will say, especially the daters in our audience who are like fearful about going into marriage and being like, you know, ah, what, what is it? Going to be what it's cracked up to be, they're say, they're going to say okay, but Gary, hold up, because like you're saying, it's not supposed to make us happy. Does that mean that marriages aren't happy? to Explain a little bit about the nuance of that, because clearly, yeah. I don't think you're just slogging through your marriage. And yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you for that question. Yeah. The subtitle
5: is actually "What if God designed marriage to make us holy more than to make us happy?" Oh, not instead. Okay. And when I rewrote the book, it was just an update, really. I mean it. It was selling enough. I didn't want to mess it up. (laughs) (laughs) But I added a quote from John Wesley, who I I, I loved it when he said, I don't know anybody who's truly happy that's not pursuing holy. I think if we just step back and think about it, that it's true. If somebody is addicted, they have moments of pleasure, but they're not happy. They're Hmm. probably miserable and they feel driven. If they're materialistic, if they're negative, if they're critical, they're not happy and so holiness i think actually preserves our happiness but it's a happiness that's in obedience to god so that we have the joy of god's favor on us and and so no i i think there's something wrong with a relationship if it's all misery and struggle particularly if you're dating mm-hmm. uh, i don't think we should choose a life without joy and happiness what i was pushing against was this notion doesn't God want me to be happy? I'm temporarily unhappy, therefore I need to get a divorce and find someone hmm. who will make me happy. That's a new definition of happiness. It's not what philosophers talked about happiness meaning even a thousand years ago, that I felt needed to be corrected.
0: Yeah, that's very good. Good distinction in that. Okay, the next question is for the guys. And you have a fair number of years of marriage in your rearview window. And so this is why I think you need to address this. For the guys that are pre-married, maybe 20-somethings, 30-something guys, just what, I mean, this is a big kind of broad question, a few things that a guy can do right now, whether he's dating or not, to be more marriage ready while he is waiting for marriage and to find a spouse. Yeah, I could think of like five things,
5: but let me just run them <laughs> off. One, yep. get better at relationships, have good relationships. Uh, it, it's like learning to understand, to listen to care, to follow through. Those are things that you can just learn generally. If you're better at relationships, you're going to be better at marriage. And so you should have good guy relationships. Um, But you can also experience that with with other women. Get your financial house in order. Sometimes I think as Christians, we downplay the importance of financial stability. It, It almost seems more spiritually heroic to live on, you know, Uncertainty and you know, and I think when I was in college, people were idolizing Hudson Taylor. You never know where the next penny is going to come from, but I think there's a place for financial responsibility over just taking that risk. Get closer to the Lord. I can't tell you how much a force God has been in my own marriage, wanting to hear his voice motivated by him, feeling loved and affirmed by him. So I'm not demanding with my wife. I would put that at the very top of the list. Get closer to God if you want to get closer to someone else, because you gonna have to get good at forgiving. You're going to need to grow in humility. You're going to need to grow in empathy and compassion and kindness. Those are all fruits of the spirit. And, and so learn what it means to be filled with the spirit. And then I would say, I I could go on and on, but the fourth one, have a mission in life. I think so many couples break up because they get bored with each other because we were made for more than each other. And when you get infatuated, it's easy to become so inward focused. You make each other so happy and you can really enjoy that for about 12 to 18 months. (laughs) But when that infatuation starts to die down, And all of a sudden, you're going to panic because you don't get the same pop being together. And it's not enough just to be together. It's because God made us for more than marriage. He made us for mission. He made us to seek first the kingdom of God. And that seek first matters. Above all else, continually keep on seeking the kingdom of God. So be a person who's great relationally. Be a person who's growing closer to the Lord, set up financially. And you have a mission in life. And I think you're becoming actually much more attractive as a marriage partner. Yeah, That's great.
0: Good good thoughts there. And it is so true. I mean, just getting back to the whole getting closer to God. I mean, that is literally the work of the Holy Spirit and God's word are the only things that supernaturally will transform you. Everything else is just you trying to strive towards something. So uh, definitely get, a, get ahead in that. Okay. Um, so getting back to, you talked about re- guys having relationships, guys having friends. We get a lot of guys that ask us, uh, Lisa, I don't think I even know how to like do friendship with guys. It's always awkward. I just don't even know like what should be going, am I asking for friend dates? Like what am I... <laughs> what is, what does this look like? So help the guys out there. Gary as is a guy who just wants to have kind of those brothers in Christ. Like where do they find them? How do they go after it? And how do they go deeper in friendship?
5: Yeah. It's interesting. I talked to a guy who was in recovery and he said, when I am with somebody in recovery, I know their greatest temptations, their greatest failures, their greatest character weaknesses, some of their character strengths, and how long it's been since they've really messed up. He goes, I don't know what their job is. I don't know who their favorite football team is. I often don't even know their last name, but I know them. He goes, then I go to church, and I know their favorite football team. I know where they work. I know what neighborhood they live in, about how much they earn, and I don't know anything about what's going on in their heart. And I just want us to have deeper relationships without having to go into recovery to do it. And so just steer the conversation into some healthier places. Now, it's got to be appropriate. Other guys might not be aware of it, but I think it begins with just initiating, make the call. Uh, I've got a series of probably about half a dozen guys where we're checking in on a regular basis and some relationships are based on ministry. We talk about ministry things. Some are more accountability. We, really, we know where each other is struggling, where each other is growing. We can speak a difficult word to each other. It will be received and welcomed. Some, they're fun conversations. Talk about college football. We talk about family and kids. Uh, I, I think you kind of figure out what kind of relationship do I have with this person and then keep it alive. You might be initiating, but that's okay. There's nothing wrong with initiating. God initiated with us. God sent his son to us. He reached out to us. Um, I think if you value it, you've got to go out and get it. Uh, And so be the one who initiates. Start the relationships. Tell them. Uh, I had a situation where I've had so many friends through the years but they were all outside of Houston, the, the closest ones. Mm-hmm. And so I met with a guy, I just admired his faith. I know he loves the word, I admired his family. And I got together and I said, this is what I'm looking for, I wanna be brothers in arm. I want us to know where each other's struggling, where we wanna encourage each other. So it's not, don't do this. It's how can you we inspire each other to do that, to have a positive, he goes, man, I've been looking for that too. And so we'll meet regularly, and then check up on text message and phones when it doesn't happen. But, but I launched that. I went to him. I said, "I'm looking for this." If he said no,
0: he's not. His life is full enough. Then you, you find someone else. Mm-hmm. Good point. Okay, so this is kind of a follow up to that for both men and women. In that sense, there's a lot of us. You know, we know scripturally where to love others, where to pour into others, where to serve others. But sometimes people feel like they do that and it's entirely a one-way street, or they're never getting something in return, or sometimes there's just those people that kind of need some extra grace, and you're like, how long can I hang in here? What's the best way to do that while still wanting to truly be Christ to others, love others sacrificially, but also have the appropriate boundaries in place to not get completely sucked in and used?
5: Yeah. I think it's not just okay. I think it's wise to figure out what kind of relationship this is. And I'll just use the apostle Paul here, but women can use it too. It's just as relevant for women. Paul had his Timothy that he was mentoring. And so those relationships are going to not be quite as two-sided. You're really reaching out. You're you're encouraging them. They may not be lifting you up, but then you've got to have your, your, your Paul and, uh, Bartholomew relationship where it's side by side. You're encouraging each other. You're ministering together. You're building each other up. If you're Timothy, you want the Paul. And I think it's great to find somebody that's going to mentor you. And there are a lot of guys that would be flattered if we would go to them and say, can you pour into my life? Or in this area, you seem to have it a better handle on how to do things than I do. So look for relationships where you might be investing more than they're investing in you. Look at brother relationships arm in arm and then find a mentor Um, And then balance it out. If you look at your life like a car, you'll go farthest when you're doing a little bit of maintenance. I need gas. I need oil. I need an engine checkup. So don't drive yourself into the ground in this heroic display of giving uh,
0: because in the end you'll be less effective and your relationships won't be as healthy. Okay, well, you and I, before we even started taping, we were talking a little bit about just the state of our culture, the state of the church, different things that we're seeing happen, conversations that are happening, and there are a lot of folks listening to Boundless today who are feeling a little disenchanted with, I mean, they have seen Christian leaders that they have read, that they've listened to, that they, I mean, we're talking gross moral failures are happening, Gary, Um, walking away from the faith, straight up ambiguity when it comes to doctrinal statements or adherence to stuff, you know, to scripture in a lot of things. How can a young adult who is you know, plugged into a local church and or availing themselves of Christian teaching elsewhere, know what to look for in leaders uh, in today's day and age, whether they're looking for someone on a life-to-life mentorship thing or just something along the lines of, I mean, let's be honest, guys like yourself who are a big deal, like pastors, writers, stuff like that, that that they don't know, but they look up to. Lisa, we just got to get more into Jesus- that might seem like a trite
5: thing to say, but this celebrity culture has not worked raising men and women up that way. Uh, we should be talking more about Jesus. I had just a life-changing experience the last year going through scripture and annotating all of the times that God describes himself. It took me a longer time to go through, and I keep going back through it now I just want to begin every day. I want to center my life. Who does God reveal himself to be? That's who I want to talk about. That's why I want to point people toward. Because that's what draws us together. That's who we should celebrate. And so I would just say enough of this choosing favorites. It's exactly what Paul said. I'm Paul, if I am Paul, if I am Peter. He just, <laughs> no, what matters is Jesus. It's basic stuff. But if somebody seems to be more into their ministry than Jesus don't follow that person. Mm -hmm. Go where Jesus is being lifted up. Go where Jesus is being talked about. Go where Jesus is seen as the answer. Go where Jesus is being worshiped and and people show a passion for Jesus. Uh, We just need to talk about him more and more and these things that divide us less and less.
0: Yeah. Well, and obviously that mandate to, we know the Bereans did it, to examine the scriptures. I mean, what are we, I mean, are we seeing what we're seeing in the culture, what we're seeing on someone's Twitter account, what we're seeing, you know, someone say or some someone say about someone else? Um, again, I mean, that's why I think being scripturally sound and, and being in God's word is is so critical. So critical. Thank you. Um, all right. This is the exact same question that I asked Deborah Folata last week. And so because you're in the studio with us this week, I'm going to ask it. Uh, a lot of people, again, this is kind of a looking ahead at marriage question. And I feel like in the church, Gary, so many young adults are told one of two narratives, either oh, marriage is so hard. It's like the ball and chain and you just got to commit and you got to just make it happen, <laughs> whatever. And this is like church people telling us this, like we're supposed to be excited about this. um, Or just this, you know, the converse of like, oh, it's just going to change your life and it's so amazing and this person will complete you and whatever. We need to get somewhere sound in the middle. So my question to you is in marriage, looking back, what would you say has been your biggest disappointment, just something you weren't prepared for, something that maybe didn't meet your expectation, and what has been your biggest positive here surprise in marriage?
5: I'd say my biggest disappointment was finding out how healthy I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. That it took a while for me to realize that I wasn't all I thought I was, and marriage pointed that out. And becoming comfortable with that and not wanting to run from that, but wanting to stay intimate with Lisa saying, okay, you've seen me at this point, let's go forward. And I want to grow uh, in this area. And I've become more comfortable with that. I was just talking to a group of Chinese American pastors uh, a while back, uh, all based in the LA area. And I gave this talk on Everybody Matters, my book on Mm. physical fitness and whatnot, and I'm not a foodie, and my wife is a foodie. And I talked about how we put so much focus on food, and it takes us away from the kingdom of God. And my wife was with me, and uh, she got up and gave a rebuttal <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. about how food can be a hosp- hospital. It's a way to love people. and And another woman that was there, one of the pastor's wives, said, what I love, Gary, is that your face was glowing while your wife was up there disagreeing with you and respected, and you were smiling. She goes, that can't be faked. Um, it's just freeing for me to realize we're in this together. I'm not all that, and we'll we'll refine each other. Before I give that talk again, I'll say, okay, Lisa, tell me this. But um, it it was a disappointment for me because I just think it's natural male pride. You want to think, oh, I've got it. And the older I get, the more I realize I'm I'm still in process. Um, I think the most pleasant surprise is just doing life together, uh, facing difficulties together, facing joys together, facing disappointments together. Uh, you mentioned that me with um, being here just after Deborah, we wrote a book together called Married Sex, which we don't recommend that singles read. I think you should wait (laughs) until you're married to read it because it is explicit with stories and whatnot. But I have at the end where we almost lost uh, our oldest daughter. She almost died. She got sepsis in the hospital. Mm. And it had been weeks of uh, doctors saying, this is what we're doing today to keep your daughter alive. And it was while I was writing this book and at that point, we were talking about white blood cell counts and all of these things I had never even knew existed and sex is off the table. And so I remember the first time we were intimate, Lisa pointed out how long it had been. I said, really? But it was just like, okay, life is back to normal again, that we can do this, that we can be a couple again. And we went through that and it, it's hard to describe, but just going through that and we weren't alone in doing it. And, and I'm, I'm grateful. And it, it pains me to say that Lisa, because that daughter I'm talking about is single. And I know it'd be hard for her to hear that because she wants to be married in her case. I know some mm-hmm. singles don't want to be. Mm-hmm. And so I don't say that to add to that pain. And I'm not trying to be callous, but you ask what it's meant to me. Yeah. And I, I think that's been one of the big things is just being able to do that together.
0: Yeah, that's so great. And it is, I mean, again, I often say to singles, because I think so many singles assume that you're, uh, unless you get married, you're just going to be lonely, which I think is is false. I mean, we're all called to relationship and we're all called to go after deep relationships and for singles, it, friendships and, and all that. But I love, you know, I, I do follow you on some of your social stuff. And I love it when you post about like, we went out for brunch and we got on some bikes and just did that, you know, and just like the everyday stuff is awesome, too, in relationships. And I think people make this big narrative of marriage like it's going to be some crazy <laughs> otherworldly experience. And there are elements of that. But some days it's just the everyday stuff, too, that you see someone walking through life no, with No, just you. look,
5: find a really good friend. Marriage really is yeah. 90% friendship. Yeah in fact if you add up how long a couple has sex it's less than 1% of their time together yeah so well, just find a good you just friend discouraged every yes. man listening you <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> no one wants to hear that, Gary. So, uh, you know, okay, well, that's okay. No, awesome. Well, that is it, my friend. We You just answered all of our questions for today. And uh, folks, I want you to know, um, in fact, we always, we love to highlight a resource uh, from our guests when they're here. And so today we want to highlight specifically Gary's book, Nine Essential Conversations, Before You Say I Do. And so uh, for a gift of any amount to Boundless, you're going to go to boundless.org. In fact, um, you can just search 728 that's this week's episode, click on the book cover there. It'll take you to a donation page for Boundless. You give a gift, whatever you can afford to Boundless, which we know you already love and you want to support us. And we want to send you a copy of Gary's book as a thank you from us. So again, nine essential conversations before you say I do. Gary, it's always a privilege when you come and and sit with us and hang with us. And uh, um, I'm just so grateful that you are here today. Thanks so much. Thank you, Lisa.
4: do all things, Christ who strengthens me, Christ who strengthens me. Yeah, Cause I got faith. Yeah, it's all I really need. I got faith. Yeah, it's all i ever need. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things unseen. But I understand that you cannot comprehend how I will put faith in something I can't see. Think about it. You breathe in, you breathe out. That's air, it's no doubt. In and out in your mouth, you can't see it. I trust what he said. He's not in the grave. Bro, on the third day. Best believe it. It might take some time for you to change your mind. You might be on your deathbed, might be on your last day. And you would ask a question How did I get here? Where am I going? When my heart stops, but you should figure that out way before then. Cause time is your enemy and death is his friend. And you can live your best life right here, right now to the arms of your father and he'll show you how.
0: Well, hey folks, I am going to open up the inbox this week and answer this week's question uh, from one of you listeners, which is very fun, especially now that we're in a new year. I think it's great to kind of knock out some questions, especially as we're all focusing on maybe some personal growth and and what this looks like in different areas of our life. And so uh, this week's question is actually really a really good one. So this person says, what would be your recommendation for how to make room for someone I've just started getting to To know romantically, but I already have a busy and fulfilling single life. So, okay, this is good. And actually, I'm going to start off by saying that you actually have the opposite problem of most uh, people. So, (laughs) so I guess that's a good thing. You don't have to worry about that. You know, most folks, it's like I'm giving them advice about how to not just glom onto someone and lose themselves in him and her. Um, And so, this is not a bad place for you to be. It sounds like you're being pretty objective. Pretty rational about the whole uh, getting into a relationship thing, and in, in, in a new year, it's great to kind of set some standards there and and think through some of this stuff. So. Um, I think that in order to do this well, kind of the best principle to have in mind is you don't want to give up your life for this person, but you want to invite them into it. And so uh, this is kind of like I always encourage folks, you know, especially when I'm talking to someone who's a little bit more dependent on a relationship or prone to be, that I say, you know, make sure you don't lose yourself. I mean, you, this is not the time to be casting off all your friends, all your community, dissing your family, you know, just staring into the other person's eyes. And so um, I think that your decision to not do that is a good thing because you have the opportunity to invite this person into your schedule, into your life, into your routines, and vice versa. I mean, again, you're not just making it all about you. You want to get to know who um, who they are. In fact, it was interesting. One time, a guy I dated We actually only saw each other once a week apart from church. He was a guy I knew from church. And we just went on like one date a week, which ended up being super healthy because I kept up all my other rhythms in life, my other connections, my other meetings with folks, my small group, uh, different things I had going on. And so it was just a healthy place to kind of, you know, we even kept texting and phone calls to a minimum. So it wasn't like we were just in each other's business. I think too often people are assumptive, like you start dating. And all of a sudden, you just have to be in this person's business and like kind of fold yourself into their life and be in everything that they're doing. And that's just not not true, you know, so, um, you know, we did things in community, we had mutual friends. And so, you know, on the on the flip side of that, I want to encourage you not to be rude or aloof. Because again, you're kind of saying, well, I have a busy and fulfilling single life. Well, that's great. And (laughs) this is I mean it's good for you to keep that up but at the same time don't use that to kind of be like oh okay and anyway you're just an add-on I'm just treating you like a plan b because you are truly choosing to get to know this person and you actually describe it as romantically and so this person actually deserves some intention in that which I think is good um but always remember, and you know, on whatever line or wherever, uh, whatever tack you're taking on this, this person is a brother or sister in Christ. Um, they deserve your respect. They deserve the proper distancing and just the, you know, again, and until a ring is on a finger, that is what this person is. And so think through that. Have a frank conversation with this person to set expectations for the relationship and hear them out and see what their expectations are. Uh, You know, don't sit back only to protect yourself, but honor your time with them. And like I said, if you set appropriate boundaries and you show interest in them, I mean, there's a reason you're singling them out. And so that is totally great. Um, But again, do that with a healthy sense of who you are, what you already have going on in your life. Encourage them in their pursuits that don't include you. And I think you guys have a great shot at getting to know one another in the context of one another's lives. And uh, you can go from there. So... Hopefully that is encouraging to you, and will give you a few steps uh, for getting started. So, all right, folks. Um, because we're in a new year now, I think it would be great for those of you who haven't left us a review yet on Apple Podcasts to go ahead and do that. If you go to Apple Podcasts, obviously the Boundless Show, you'll see your opportunity to leave a review, and I would love it if you would be willing to do this for us because as so many people are looking for new podcasts to check out in the new year, tell them about the Boundless Show and what it has meant to you, what you've learned maybe in the past year, how you're going after growth this year, and we can all be in this together. So uh, we would really appreciate it if you would do that for us. Meanwhile, I will see you around next week. I'm Lisa Anderson for The Boundless Show.
4: The Boundless Show is a production of Boundless.org. Focus on the family.